Welcome to the Hub Crawl, a roundtable podcast discussing all things Disney. I'm Teg. And I'm Eric. <laughs> Each week, we will invite two guests to bring a question and talk about one of our favorite topics. Disney parks, Disney movies, it's more than one topic, really. I mean, it's, it's all things Disney. You know, it's under that Mary Poppins umbrella of Disney, and that's what matters. There we go. Well, this week, we want to welcome friend of the show, Chris. Hello, Chris. Hi, everyone. How you doing? Pretty good. And also joining us this week is producer James from DL Weekly. Hey, excited to be here. After Brandy got her first time last week, I figured my time was due as well. All right. <laughs> yeah. Well, you know, it's not always going to be that way. So uh, just so everybody listening, it's not always going to have a DL Weekly. Pr- well, except except for me. Uh, but no other DL Weekly people <laughs> uh, every week. So, well, thank you guys so much for joining us. Let's start off this week with... Uh, you know, Galactic Star Cruiser, you know, opened recently. There was a lot of media preview. There was a lot of all, you know, the first voyages and stuff have happened. Looks pretty spectacular. With the premiere of it, what do you think is a good price for the experience? Because that seems to be the biggest sticking point for everybody is the price. So, Chris, what do you think? I wouldn't consider this in like a terms of a value proposition. I don't think it's something you do and you look to try and... um save money somewhere disney's going to charge what they're going to charge and um i think that for me five thousand dollars is too much but um for others more power to them one day i dream of going and taking my kids but um that's years off and by then it'll probably cost 10 grand but um (laughs) yeah uh i would i would say um i think it's a it's a reasonable price for for what you get based on everything i've heard from People who went in skeptical and cynical, it was amazing. The the uh, cast members were essentially LARPing Star Wars and doing an amazing job of it. The the food was good, the drinks were good, and they were as engaged as 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 then the, the the guests were as engaged as they wanted to be. Um, no one felt pressured. No one was shamed for not engaging or playing. Uh, it just yeah, uh, I would say. 5000 is a little bit too rich for me, but I think it's it's going to be just fine for that experience. That's uh, that's a really interesting take, yeah. Um for my part, I I, I don't know. I I was prepared to shell out the full the full price for two people to go because I'm a huge Star Wars fan and why not? Uh but it really I think half the price that it currently is now feels a little better uh, having come off a recent a very recent Walt Disney World trip thinking about how much I spent over an entire week and then looking at at 2 days 48 hours basically within this Star Wars environment that I love it's just all it's it's just a lot I, so I'm I'm kind of on the fence where do you do you pay less for the current experience that's there? Do you pay less for a lesser experience? Do you pay the same amount for more time? I, I feel like more time is almost more exhausting. You know, it's it, there's so much going on. You have to be on. You have to be actively participating in everything that I've heard. All of the the stories I've heard, the videos I've watched, everybody is – the people who have gotten the most out of it have come with a character or with a costume or with an idea of what they want to do, it's 
and, and that's that's I, I'm in for that, but it feels like more effort than I necessarily want to put in. I mean, there were multiple days on our last, we spent one week at Walt Disney world and there were multiple days where we said, I don't even feel like going to the, the, the hotel lounge tonight. Let's just like go to bed. <laughs> so, you know, it's, it's a lot. Uh, what do you think, James? See, I was afraid that I was going to be the villain of this show and be the lone <laughs> first order member from the perspective we know of star Wars. Uh, I I think it's right for where they need to be right now. I think how much they've invested in the experience and how much support that has to be going on it, not just the characters that we're getting regular experiences with that are out there for, you know, 8, 12. I wouldn't even doubt some of them are putting in 16-hour days to make oh, this man, a reality. Yeah. But then you have their support teams that are feeding them the information that they need for, you know, remembering a guest they've interacted with for something, let alone all the support staff making sure that the entertainment things are working correctly, that the food is there and up to standards. I think there's a lot more behind the scenes that we don't necessarily give credit for. And so I I look at this as much as I can comparably to the, the cost for a Disney cruise, because it's kind of the same idea. You're, you're stuck in this place for a certain amount of time. And a Disney cruise, I think, is is relatively comparable. Now, I think this is still a bit of a premium for now, and I think it will come down a little bit eventually, and that'll make me feel better about paying the price for it. And I think Chris brought up a really good point about families, and I think that's the hardest viewpoint, because paying that much for a child's experience if you have a kid that's willing to like get involved and will love every minute of this and can handle that for two days, that'll probably be amazing. But I think if you have a typical child in any sort of way, you're going to have things that just are going to take away the value, and that's what's going to be the crusher. So from my perspective, not having kids, I think it, it, it's much more easy to swallow and embrace. But what do you think, Take? It's a complicated situation, obviously. I feel for a two-day experience, I, I totally agree with what you're saying, With that there's probably a lot behind the scenes. There was a, a great argument that was made in one of the uh, you know, traditional journalists' write-ups of this experience that they went to the media days that... that you know, that this is a premium experience. There's all this stuff behind, you know, there's all this other stuff. One of the things that they were concerned about was the fact that these these cast members are doing such an extraordinary job in their roles. And from watching the videos that I've seen, these characters are around at seemingly all hours of a standard yeah. day. So you're not, it's not like a normal job where somebody's going in and they're punching in and they're going to go dish out some food or something. These people have to punch in, makeup, do makeup. Sometimes I assume movie style makeup that takes probably hours and then go spend maybe 16 hours and then be able to take all that off sleep and then be up for the next morning to kind of be that role again. So there's a lot there with it. And one of the concerns was with this caliber of people that they're going to get, you know, gobbled up by, you know, like the movie industry, for instance, because they're, they're really good. So of course they're not going to stay working in a, you know, a, a landlocked cruise ship, if you will. So <laughs> they might be paying these people a lot more for that reason. I think the saddest thing for me, uh, that's, that's not money wise, but the saddest thing for me about this whole experience was it seems like a lot of the things that were promised to us for Galaxy's Edge is happening in the Star Cruiser. Ooh, yeah. But it's locked up behind this giant paywall, and 
Galaxy's Edge is just kind of another land. But a lot of the things that they talked about, character interactions, droids running around, you know, missions you could be on, all of that stuff, the performances of that Gaia character, you know, when you looked at concept drawings of the restaurant that they were going to have as as the back part of Oga's, all of that was included in that uh, originally, in the original plan. So it's kind of sad that the, the promise of Galaxy's Edge is locked up behind this thing. Uh, I think you're right, James, probably that this price, uh, you know, there's only 100 cabins. Uh, I did think it was funny that the way they priced one of the levels was three adults and one child. Uh, usually uh, it's like yeah. two adults, two children. I don't know. Mm-hmm. Uh, so that was a little so odd wait, to me. Are you saying three adults is you and James, and then I, I'm i just like the guy on the bed in the corner and we have a kid with us? <laughs> Something like that is okay. what it seems okay. like, right? Yeah. So, right. <laughs> so, you know, it's just kind of, a, kind of one of those weird situations with how they've like broken it down. But then also, um, you know, I think that I want it to be accessible, right? Because Walt always said, you know, he wants stuff to be accessible to everybody and everybody can have fun. And we're getting further and further away from that with Disney. So... I would say more in line with what a cruise ship cost would be, would be my ultimate thing where you're paying, you know, for a, for a two day experience, maybe you're paying, you know, 400 bucks or something. Um, But I also understand that it probably, that's not probably sustainable uh, for this level of interaction and stuff. So we'll have to see. I think things will get cheaper as it goes on because they're recouping all of the research and development and everything. And so we'll have to wait and see. What I'm hearing is there's a market for the celebrity cruise line clientele. So we're going to go and rent a warehouse in Orlando. We're going to have it called the Space Movie Star Starship. <laughs> and, uh, we're going to have people wearing bathrobes, maybe a red sequin vest, just like, hey, use this broom and uh, hit each other. That's a light, lightsaber training. Oh, yeah. yeah. We've got some black lights. That's good. Yeah. Could we splurge on, like, glow-in-the-dark paint? Yeah. (laughs) Well, and everybody knows I'm all about the sequin vests, so... Yes. All right. Well, that wraps up our first question. So let's go to Chris for your question this week. Yes. uh, My question is, uh, what now-closed attraction at any Disney park do you wish you could experience? Ooh, um, I feel like, so this is something, this is one of those, those things that I've, I've mentioned on other podcasts, but I don't have any clear memories of ever being on horizons and my parents don't, don't recall taking me on it. So I feel like that should be my thing, but I, I also, as I've gotten more into Disney stuff, I, I really am kind of interested in, in going on something that most people have completely forgotten where the stories are, wow, has, does anyone have a picture of this? Does anyone have a memory of this? So I'm thinking of the Eastern Wind, which is the Chinese uh, junk boat. Uh, I believe that's the, the, the type of ship that we're talking about here that was on the Seven Seas Lagoon in the early days of Walt oh. Disney World. It's, it's just a, a, a small sailboat that was one of the main... I guess attractions is part of the the vacation kingdom of the world where go on this boat. It's, it's one of the things you can do that isn't a, that isn't the theme park. Uh, They had so many activities on the lake back then. There were so many different things you could do water skiing and, and boating. And I, I just love taking, taking a boat 
from resort to resort. I just stayed at uh, the Wilderness Lodge and got to experience one of my favorites, which is taking that boat into the Magic Kingdom and heading over by boat to uh, the Polynesian Grand Floridian. To have another option like that, I absolutely love the idea, and especially since it's it's something that's rare that was only there for a few years. I would love to do something like that. Can you refresh my memory, uh, Eric, about Horizons? Horizons was is is one of those one of those classic Epcot attractions that everybody points to to say it's it's the epitome of what what Epcot was. It's it's kind of a spaceship Earth sort of sort of scenario where it was a dark ride, but it was very. Whereas Spaceship Earth is starting out in the past and moving into the future, all of Horizons was the future. It was just a. I've watched plenty of ride through videos. I've read plenty about it. So even though I don't have any specific memories myself, I can. You know, I can supplement the way most of us have done at this point <laughs> where it's uh, it, I mean, it was it had a great song by the Sherman Brothers. It looks at the future. It was kind of a, a successor to the Carousel of Progress where mm. let's imagine the future now and focus completely on that. And it had this amazing uh, this amazing ending where you were able on your ride car to select the ending that you wanted to see. And there are three different endings. So you go out into space, you visit these these places, you see animatronics, you see video, you see all these grand vistas, and then you come back to Earth via one of three different um, three different scenarios. And that I mean, it's it's kind of like the people mover in Disneyland, where people say, "Wow, why did this close?" But then there was this period in the '90s where no one was riding it, no one mm. cared. It was old tech, and now we all look back on it fondly and say, oh, Horizons, oh, the people mover. So it, it, it falls into that category, and I'm sure we can talk more about it someday. <laughs> yeah. yeah I, I think that nostalgia piece hits me, too, with my thought. My, my first instinct was Captain EO as the show, but then I realized I, I think my family took me to that probably one of the days Florida was my home park growing up. And so I'm like, oh, I probably shouldn't go with that one. So my next best answer is the studio backlot tour. And oh. I say this growing up also as a Nickelodeon kid, it was such an iconic thing for me to think about going to Orlando and having that access to, uh, you know, real TV, real studio, real experience, be it the Disney side or the Nickelodeon side. And now that both of those have gone to the wayside, it, it's just something for me that's that memory of always thinking about those pieces growing up and not seeing it. So I'm glad I can still experience it on the West Coast, not at a Disney park, but at least it's still there. And so I'm happy to have that. So, Tag, how about your experience you'd like to have again? Oh, man. Uh I always hear great things about adventure through inner space, and there's just something about wanting to experience that. However, I have heard through connections of people who have ridden adventure through inner space that it wasn't as great as everybody <laughs> fondly remembers it. Uh, kind of like you were saying, Eric, with like you know things like the People Mover and stuff, where uh, you know there was a reason it closed or got replaced. Right. Uh, but it is one of those things that if I could take a you know time travel back and and experience would be cool. So I think that that's my 
my big one. I'm sure there's other things out there that maybe would be more, but that was the first, you know, that was the knee jerk thing that popped in my head. So I figured that should probably be my answer. So let's finish it up with you, Chris. What What is the closest attraction you wish you could experience? Uh, I would like to go back and see uh, Mind Train Through Nature's Wonderland at Disneyland. Um, I've seen the the old uh, Super 8 videos that people shot, and it just looks really scenic and relaxing and just pretty. Just lots of attention to detail, taking you through, you know, like the geysers and through canyons and just looked really picturesque and scenic. And just, I, I love that aspect of the parks, you know, this like calming type attraction where, you know, you're on the train it just can relax and watch everything go by. And you know, similarly with this attraction, I think you just can just enjoy it, look out the window and see what's going on. It's, uh, it's such a big attraction and it's so detailed that you could ride it 20 times and see something new each time. See, that would be another one I would add to my list because I also thought that that was a really unique and cool attraction. Well, that's two questions down, which means we've reached our halfway point, and it's time to ask for your support. If you enjoy the Hub Crawl and like to keep it going, head on over to thehubcrawl.com slash support to get some perks and to show your support. Well, thank you all for listening and supporting in any way that you can. All right, it's time to get back to some more questions here. So this one is my question for the week. Uh, what is everybody's optimal radius for a hotel around Disneyland? So I'm saying... How far out are you willing to stay based on value, uh, the, the cost of the hotel, the shuttles, the, the walking distance? What, what's your ideal when you stay at Disneyland? Yeah, uh, for me, it's pretty easy. If I'm walking, I'm going to give myself about a mile. I, I think having that 15 to 16 minute walk time, especially knowing the pace that we continue at, because there's one walking pace in Disneyland that our family knows, we, we get moving. I feel like that's about as much as my body's probably ready to handle. Plus, that's a good time for us to kind of debrief as we walk through and talk about the day or what we still need to do. I don't know the shuttles or the public transportation at all. And so that terrifies me of how long I might have to sit and wait or get on the wrong bus. I think if I learned that a little better, I'd probably be more open to something a little more distant. But I think the mile mark is probably about as far as I want to go, probably closer to a half mile if I'm being fully honest, though. Take how about you? Lately, I've really enjoyed for a number of reasons, the Howard Johnson uh, with the water park and everything. Uh, I had heard about this location for years and years on different Disney blogs. And they had sponsored things and they have a great Instagram account that they allow people to take over and all that good stuff. And they did a remodel, which really sold it for me. Up until that point, though, uh, I was always a, it's just a bed. I don't really care. Find me the cheapest place with a bed because I'm only going to be there to sleep. So I used to stay at, it was called the Super 8 on West Catella. And it was it's right next to what is now the Garden Walk, and it's now called the Kings Inn Anaheim at the Park. So uh, I've just Google Maps to see how far away from the uh, harbor entrance it is, and it looks like it's just over half a mile uh, for for walking distance. Uh, so I would say probably not much more than that because obviously people are walking a lot in the park. So I don't want to go too far, but I also want to keep 
you know, budget as a conscious thing. And I know from some notes here that we're gonna we're gonna hear some some stuff from Eric in a little bit that I'm sure <laughs> I'm gonna disagree with, but uh, uh, on on a some level. So, uh, Chris, what about you? I I will stay as far as two city blocks. So um, from the south side, Chapman is my uh, my my line. Um, then to the east, um, I'll, I'll go as far as Haster. Then the north and east, uh, the five cuts everything up to Ball. Uh, but typically, when when we stay, um, we like to stay at the Hilton across from uh, DCA because you can take the Hart, the Anaheim Regional Trans transport and you're only then three stops from the the harbor gate um and that's really nice too because it's not a long walk if you want to go to trader sam's at night yeah and so um yeah i would say two city blocks but then um since we've been going with our kids and we have small kids we've been staying on property because getting them back for their nap really quickly is a saves our sanity well, that's that's a good perspective there. I, I don't have any kids, but um, I, I, this mostly comes from me being a my main park being or my main resort being Walt Disney World, where I'm used to that mentality of staying on property. I've stayed on property and off property at Walt Disney World, and my wife and I very much prefer staying on property. I mean, it's it, there are so many benefits to staying on property over there. So when we first went to Disney World a few years ago, that was there was no question. Let's stay. I know it's ridiculous. I know it's a lot of money, but let's stay at one of the the hotels that are connected to the resort. So I've stayed at all three. I do enjoy all three of those hotels. There are various reasons to stay there and where you're going and what you're doing. Um, I know this irks tag a fair amount because we have discussed this before and 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 you've asked me well why why would you do this well th- there's there's an inherent value in my brain of walking out of the hotel and being in that disney bubble constantly and i'm learning i'm i'm training myself to to change that mentality a little bit the next time i go i'm actually going to stay off property at one of the hotels that I've run past on run Disney events where I went, Oh, you recommend that hotel. Thank you. Um, I know where that is. I know that that's not far from the, 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 the Harbor gate. Okay. Let's go that way. I know where I'm going. It's just, there's so much that I don't understand being somebody that didn't really experience Disneyland in that way for most of my life where it's it's weird to imagine taking a bus or taking an Uber to the parks where I'm used to. There's a very very distinct uh, you know Disney infrastructure at Walt Disney World and at Disneyland. I don't get it. I don't understand. But I'm getting there. So <laughs> maybe we'll have some more adventures at hotels outside of the park boundaries in the near future. Eric, it's called your feet. You just gotta walk. <laughs> it's not complicated you just walk <laughs> it seems to me that disney world keeps taking away the things that i found so valuable about staying on property um i pour one out for magical express mm. every time i think about going to the park at what point is there a tipping point for when it's no longer the value 
Oof. Yeah. Uh, having just gone, I definitely missed having Magical Express there, even though I've been one of those people who said, okay, well, it's great. I've got the yellow tag on my bag. They're going to deliver my bags to my room and I'm going to take an Uber because, or a Lyft, because I don't want to wait in line for a bus to take me to my resort. Ugh, um, I think it's still the, it, it depends on where you are and how you want to get around, uh, you know, Wilderness Lodge. I still think even though the only resort you can get to easily is, is the magic kingdom from there. I love taking a boat to a resort. That's, that's worth it to me. It's staying at uh, boardwalk and walking over to Epcot and Hollywood studios. Those things are worth it to me. I think if you're looking at some of the further out resorts, I'm glad that they, they Disney really had a huge win with the Skyliner. Um, that really changed a lot about uh, the art of animation and pop century resorts because though I, I've stayed at them and before Skyliner, it was, uh, well, I have to take a bus everywhere. Now that there's a Skyliner there, that makes that, that really makes a huge difference. And I'm looking forward to potential uh, expansions of the Skyliner because it, Coronado Springs, I really like Coronado Springs. Um, personally, it's got a great price point, but it's in the middle of nowhere and you have to take buses everywhere. If they were to extend the Skyliner over there, suddenly it's my favorite resort um, in, in a lot of ways. So it's still a very complicated and long-winded discussion about that particular question. Yeah. <laughs> I will say, Eric, just to be clear, I totally 110% agree with you about Disney World. Uh, the first time James and I stayed in Disney World, we stayed off property. And it wasn't mm-hmm. terrible. But I also realized going forward that on property is the way to go. Between the buses and the monorails and the, the Skyliner... It's just so dang convenient, mm-hmm. and there is something to be said about that bubble, like you said. But at Disneyland, growing up with Disneyland, when there was only the Disneyland Hotel and knowing what the rates are per night at a lot of these places, I just I have a hard time justifying in my mind four walls and a bed uh, over a certain price because it's just outrageous. But we can talk more about that maybe on a future episode. There so we go. So it's great discussion. <laughs> so let's move on to our last question from producer James. Yeah, let's let's tap back into this nostalgia we've been having. I'm curious, what is your favorite Disney Channel original movie, better known as DCOMs, and why? Tag, I know what yours is, but I don't know why. So please tell the class. Oh my goodness. Well, I put two down in my notes because... It's kind of tough. One, I think, is nostalgia, right? So the the first one was Brink, and it's the first movie that I remember that's a Disney Channel original movie that I, like, I gave any crap about. It seemed like it was a good story for those who have never seen it. It is on Disney+. Plus. It's a, it's, it's a rollerblading group, and they're <laughs> doing some type of competition or something. Uh, you know, it was... It was it was definitely a movie of its time. You had the long skater hair and kind of all the things, although it wasn't very accurate because when, when this aired at the skate park near my house, nobody ever wore any knee elbow pads, helmets, nothing. (laughs) And every character in this movie is wearing all the safety gear. Um, So that's, so I think nostalgia just brings me back to a time 
an, a simpler time, if you will. Uh, <laughs> but more recently, I guess, I think because of the music and everything, I also really enjoyed High School Musical 2. However, one of my favorite songs is the most ridiculously filmed and awkwardly choreographed song in there, uh, which is, I think it's called Scream. And the, he's running around on a on a golf course and throwing sand around and looking ridiculous, and then the school's flipping around on him or whatever. Just just a lot of weirdness, uh, but also a good movie. I, I think uh, that that whole series was pretty good and deserves all that. So, what about you, Chris? Um, I'm gonna have to say uh, Johnny Tsunami, oh. <laughs> because I love a good fish out of water story. And there's nothing better than a kid from Hawaii going to the mountains and applying his surf skills to snowboarding. Yeah, just it's really uh, almost autobiographical, if I if I may <laughs> say so. Uh, <laughs> and um, yeah, it, it just it just seemed like it was so bad it was good. It, you know, I bless bless everyone that worked on it. I couldn't do what they do, but it just it is. I thought it was uh, like a, a sar- like a sarcastic film, but it, it was it was just it's just so bad it's good. Those are the best. Yeah, it, I think similar similar sort of vein for me. Halloween Town. Um, it, it started a franchise. We had we had multiple Halloween Town movies afterward. Just a yeah, it's it's not it doesn't stick out in my head as something that I it's a treasured memory. It's it's a, a movie that I've watched a billion. I suppose I have watched it a fair amount of times, but you know that that original Halloween Town just set things up in in a in an interesting way. I I don't know, not super high production values. It, it's it's a for me, it's kind of a quint, quintessential uh, Disney Channel movie. The the grandmother witch person in that, awesome. Oh oh yeah yeah, and I mean I love that the the mayor is the bad guy. Mm-hmm. You know, spoiler you alert. Oh no. oh, oh. <laughs> well uh, yeah. Sorry everybody. I'm gonna yeah. have to bleep that now. Oh no, the <laughs> is the bad guy. How about oh. you, James? You can't say yeah, we don't have for- a good time on this podcast. <laughs> no. Uh, for me, I settled on Luck of the Irish. I, I really enjoyed that one. Uh, apparently, looking at my list of ones I wrote down, I have a thing for the coming-of-age movies, and Riley O'Reilly is a fantastic villain name, as this poor kid turns into a leprechaun, um, but he wants to play basketball. Um, so, yeah, for me, it, it, it just it's the one I remember best. I also thought about an honorary mention for Up, Up, and Away, and The 13th Year, and then Smart House, which was super awesome. Uh I just I couldn't believe looking at a list of just how many of these they were pumping out every year too. There were like six to eight different movies coming out for year after year after year. I'm like, no wonder there's so many different stories. No wonder so many of them are probably super cheesy if we go back and watch them. But man, I know what I'm going to be spending some of my summertime off doing now. <laughs> I only rec- of all that list you just rambled off. Only Smart House have I ever heard of before. <laughs> Oh, we got work to do. Oh, wow. (laughs) You know, I know we've hit time, but I, as always, really want to ask the the extra question. Okay, I I guess. I guess we could go for this one. It is fun. Um, If you could do only one, rope drop or close the park out? 
Uh, what do you think? Let's start it with James. Easy answer for me. I'm a morning person. I'm a ride fiend. Get me there at rope drop. I am going to make the most out of the start of my day. Well, you know, you could almost say the same thing for closing the park because everybody leaves after the fireworks of the nighttime entertainment. Or you could ride stuff during the nighttime entertainment, which is now coming back. I am a close the park person because if it was up to me and I could have my way, Disneyland would only be open at night because it is gorgeous <laughs> at night. In fact, all the Disney parks are gorgeous at night. Oh, yeah. And it is a travesty that they have not been open till 1 a.m. or later, like when I was younger. Because I, and I tell you, the next time there's a 24-hour day, I don't care what's happening in my life, I'm going to be there because I am going to sleep during the day and I'm going to stay there all night. <laughs> what about you, Chris? Um, I would, I want to do both. I just, I love both. But what I'll say is I will rope drop the park and close down the bar. Yeah, there's something to be said for being up early and like lining up at the rope and then power walking and not running for that borderline walk, not run shimmy that everyone does to get to Space Mountain first or Indy first. Yeah, there's there's a great energy there. And it's more laid back at night, but it's it's still great. They're both great. I don't want to choose. Just stay from open to close. That's easy. You do both. Yeah. There you go. Yeah. Well, for my part, uh, I have experienced some pretty great rope drops in the past, but uh, my wife is not an early riser, and I respect that. And uh, I I was reminded on our last trip why I love closing out the park. There was a night we were at Magic Kingdom, and we said, oh, well, the the fireworks are going to start soon and we don't want to wait in the giant crowd to to watch the fireworks. And I said, well, why don't we head over to like Tomorrowland and do all of the rides? And we did. As soon as the the fireworks started, suddenly every every queue dropped. We got we went through Space Mountain in no time. We got out. We got on the Astro Orbiter. And when we got off of the Astro Orbiter, there was suddenly this giant line because the fireworks ended. We, we watched the fireworks ending while we were up there. Nice. And when we got back down, suddenly everybody was was there flooding Tomorrowland. So we went, okay, let's go over to Buzz Lightyear. And we, we did Buzz Lightyear real quick. Then we went, it's five minutes until the park closes. Let's do the people mover. And we just did all of those things. It's so great at the end of the night because it's you know especially in a land like tomorrowland where the lights are are perfect and the there's neon and there there's the 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 odd color schemes that maybe don't completely mesh with today's today's design aesthetics but uh yeah it's i'm definitely a uh close out the park sort of sort of person yeah well, that does it for this episode of The Hub Crawl. We'd like to thank our guests, of course, Chris. Thank you so much. Thank you for having me. It's been a blast. And thank you to producer James. Always a pleasure to hang out and chat all things Disney with you. Well, join us next time where, of course, we will talk all things Disney. Thanks, everybody. <laughs>